Open your Bibles this morning. 2 Kings 18, about, um, well, the title of the message this morning, and, and I'm going to preach a two-part message uh, about the altars, at least two parts, this week and next week. But the title of the message this morning is Making Room for the Altar. Now, when I say altar in this setting, we think of these nice pieces of furniture, benches that we put in front of the church. And they are altars. And they are consecrated and dedicated for the purpose of being altars. And so that makes them special. But an altar is not limited to a piece of furniture. Uh, when, when I speak of altars, I want us to think deeper than that. I, I want us to uh, hear a meeting place with God, a place of both death and life, a place of sacrifice, and a place of blessing, because altars represent all of those things. Altars in the Old Testament were very bloody. There was a stench and an odor uh, that surrounded the altars. Uh, animals would be brought in and butchered on the altars. Blood would be drained over and around the altars. The entrails of the animals would be set apart and the flesh would be burned as a sacrifice to God. Altars were a place of death, but they represented dying to something else to become what God wanted to have, and that was communion with mankind. Without death, there cannot be communion. That's why we're, we're coming up to uh, a, a holy day in the church calendar uh, in a month that's called Easter. Easter is all about dying to something else and living as something better. Jesus Christ represents the sacrificial death so that we no longer have to bring, aren't you glad this morning that we don't have to bring our animals into the sanctuary and sacrifice them day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, for a temporary covering because the Old Testament covering was insufficient. But the New Testament covering, somebody say amen, is all sufficient to the covering of our sin. <laughs> to God be the glory. So Hezekiah, and the world doesn't like altars because all they see is death. I still remember being challenged and I know I've told the story here many times, but I challenged about why, uh, on, on a radio show, why um, Christians are drawn to the cross because the cross is a symbol of death. And the world can't comprehend that. But I said, you know, to, to the world, it's a symbol of death. To the church, it's a symbol of life. <laughs> because while Jesus died on the cross, he resurrected again in newness of life. So it's not the altars, while they are a symbol of, of sacrifice, they represent life and communion. So when Hezekiah, and, and I'll, I'm going to read the backstory, but I'm, I'm jumping ahead just to get us on the right page, was under assault. Hezekiah was a good king. He had a little pride issue later in life, but... The Bible describes him as a good king. He, and we're going to talk about that this morning. I'm, there was, I mean, he, he was a little naive. God blessed him, and he opened up the blessings of God to show his enemies and caused him some problems. But he was a good king. And uh, when uh, the king of Assyria said that he was going to conquer Jerusalem, and take over their land. Um, and he didn't say it just that nicely. He, he was a, 
the Sennacherib, the, the, the king of Assyria, was a brutal, brutal man. We see some of that today, don't we? He was, he, he impaled captives. He was vicious. And he sent a letter and said, it's, it's useless to resist to me. Don't, don't you see that every land that has tried to resist, that we have destroyed and we have killed them and slaughtered them, you would be better off just to surrender to me and let me take over your land. And if you don't do that, he listed the things that I'm going to do to you and your families. Sent that in a letter that was read to King Hezekiah. In fact, when his, when his leaders came in to talk to the leaders of Israel, the leaders of Israel requested, speak to us in Arabic. We understand Arabic because we don't want to bring fear to those that are around listening. And they turned around and yelled out in uh, Hebrew their threats because they said, we want everyone to know what we're going to do to you. And um, then he sent a letter to Hezekiah. Hezekiah took the letter from the enemy. And the Bible says he laid them on the altars before the Lord. In essence, what Hezekiah was saying is, Lord, the battle's not mine, it's thine. <laughs> I cannot defeat this enemy. He's stronger than I am. Their military is greater than ours. Their, their people are far more numerous than ours. We cannot withstand this enemy in our own strength. How many has ever come against an enemy that you couldn't handle in your own strength? There's reports that come in from the enemy that, that, that says that, uh, you know, your family's going to fall apart. Your, your health is going to deteriorate. You're not going to survive this. You're going to lose your job. You're going to file. You're going to lose your home. And, and looking at them, and you look at your ability and say, well, I don't have any ability to stop this. I can't heal myself. I, I can't raise enough funds to handle this, uh, this emergency that's popped up. I can't deal with this problem. It's bigger than I am. How many have ever had a problem bigger than you are? I can't fix my family. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. I've done everything I know to do. I cannot fix this problem. It's bigger than I am. That's the enemy writing you a letter. That's Satan telling you what he's going to do. And, and your imagination runs wild. You begin to see uh, the, the consequences in their very worst form. I'm going to be homeless. I'm going to lose everything. And, and, and that's the enemy writing you a letter. That's what I'm telling you next Sunday. I want you to bring those threats. Or if you don't have it in written, write it out. Bring the promises of God. And we're going to lay them before the Lord and we're going to say, God, the battle's not mine, but thine. But I will be the foot soldier. I will be obedient to do, God, what you call me to do. But I can't call the shots here because I don't even know how to respond. I don't even know. How many has ever been in a place you don't even know the, the words to say? Much less the actions to take. And you stand there stunned. That's when you surrender. That's when you say, God, Lord, you've got to help me. You've got to help me. This problem is too big. So let's, but, but before that happened, before the altars, before Hezekiah went and laid his problems on the altars, Hezekiah became king. 
So I'm going to back up a little further because he had to make room for the altars. Now let's, let's go and read in 1 Kings 18, or 2 Kings 18. You begin reading at verse 3. And the Bible says, oh, yes, thank you. Let's stand for the reading of the word of God. And the Bible says, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places, and he broke the sacred pillars. He cut down the wooden image. Actually, it should be plural, images, and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. You say, wait, what, what's that all about? We'll deal with that. He broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made, because until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but he kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him. And he prospered wherever he went. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. Now, you can turn with me or I can just read with you for you on 2 Corinthians 10. We'll probably have it on the wall. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3, 4, and 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are, are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today. God, it is life-giving. It is all-powerful. God, use it birth inside of us god the power and the anointing and the, of god the faith to overcome every attack in jesus name amen you may be seated altars have to be prioritized in the church again I want us to be careful what you're hearing. The furniture itself is not the priority, but the meeting place with God. We bought a few pieces of new furniture and chairs and carpet and considered buying new altars. But our altars have history. A lot of us have shed tears over those altars. A lot of us have prayed and seen miracles happen around those altars. For, so for the sake of history, we decided to have them professionally refinished and keep our old altars, but just have them refurbished to match our new set, our new look. And so we'll bring those in. But altars have to be prioritized not just in the church, but in our own lives. Now, to prioritize something means you have to make room for it. Uh, you know, you, you've heard me tell stories about when somebody gives Rhonda a new piece of furniture or a lamp or a trinket, a vase. Oftentimes, we have to literally rearrange the whole living room so that that thing can be now center place uh, that, that she has. And so I, I, it got to where I hated for somebody to bless us with because you would think, oh, we found this beautiful lamp. And I'm thinking, oh, my Lord. 
take it to your house. No, we're grateful, but, but, but the point is we would literally often have to empty the whole room out, set that thing in place, and put every piece of furniture around it in four different settings till we figured out what was the right one. And so, but that, why? Because it's a priority. How many of us, see, there's two ways to do worship. There's two ways to serve God. We can put God around our life, or we can put our life around God. In other words, if we put God around our life, we, we find all the events and activities that we desire and that we want to do, and we do those things, and then we find little nooks and corners that we can plug in God. It's not a priority. If nothing's going on next Sunday, I'll go to church. But if something better comes along, I'll do that. If, 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 if I have time, Lord, I'll, I'll read the Bible today. But if something else is going on, we'll skip it. Maybe this whole week. That's putting your God around your life. When we put God first and central and we prioritize God, then we begin to say, God, I'm putting you and I'm going to build my life. If I have time to do something else, I will do it, but I'm going to do your part first. See, God doesn't mind you going and having a good time. <laughs> Just don't neglect him in the process. He doesn't share center place. He doesn't share priority. And it's a problem. It's a problem that the universal church, when I say the church is not just Atlantic Beach, some God, the universal church has right now is the lack of priority for the things of God. We simply don't prioritize the things of God. And, and then we wonder, God, why aren't, we, why aren't you taking care of our needs? God, why aren't you responding? Why aren't you doing what we need you to do? And, and when we look at our life, we realize we are not prioritizing the things of God. So to start by making room for God, the first thing the Bible says of Hezekiah in verse 3 is he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Can I tell you, stop doing what is wrong is not enough. In fact, I'm a believer in focusing on doing what is right. Because I found that when you begin doing what is right, you automatically stop doing what is wrong. See, we, we have a, uh, an issue where we like to beat people over the head with their sins. Now, I believe in identifying sin as sin. I have no problem with that at all. But I've learned that we focus on doing what God has called us to do, spending our time with the Lord, then let the Holy Spirit deal with the heart. <laughs> and so Hezekiah started by doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. But I, I, I want us to go a little deeper with that because another problem that society has today is the definition of what is right. We redefine what is right in every generation. What was right or wrong 50 years ago is right now. So I, I like that he said he is doing what is right as David did. In other words, by the traditions passed down to him. Paul teaches us in the New Testament the things that that you see me doing, the things that the elders and the, that have been passed down to us have been doing, the teachings that we have been teaching. Believe these things. In other words, trust the Word of God. And if something comes in contrary to the Word of God, it is wrong. And I don't care how many people tell you that it's right. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it just doesn't fit. Quit redefining in every generation 
We, we've made life so crazy and complicated. Insanity. If it was right to spend time in the Word of God a hundred years ago, it's right today. If it was right to go to the house of the Lord and worship God 50 years ago, it's right today. If it was right to put God first in your life from time, uh, beginning of time till now, it's still right today. Prioritize the things of God and quit trying to figure out, well, yeah, but times are different, Pastor. Oh, it was easier. How many have ever heard that? It was easier when we were kids. It was easier because your mama beat your butt and made you go to church. Maybe if we started doing what we were doing then, it'd be easier now. I know y'all don't, y'all are here, so you're all saying that's good, and I'm, I'm really not wanting to come across as fussing. I, I'm not talking about doing any, I'm talking about doing what is right, what you know to be right. You get up every morning, you've got a choice. What am I going to do today? I'm going to choose to do what is right. You know, I, 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 I'm going to choose to forgive. That, that's a, the older I have gotten, the more the Lord has dealt with me on that. There, there were times in my life, I'll be honest with you, I felt it was all right to hold grudges. But the Holy Spirit has just been... And I realize that's not right. I have to forgive. I, 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 I read, and you've heard it probably before, but, but holding a grudge is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. They don't even, they don't even, they don't care. So forgiveness. But th these are right things to do. We have to choose every day. I'm going to, I'm going to, and, and let me, let me help you out so that you don't feel too beat up. Some days you're going to mess up and you're not going to do everything right. If you don't believe me, ask your wife. <laughs> and you know, if you will look inward and pray and ask God and seek the word, right is not as confusing as we've tried to make it. Simplicity and right and wrong are laid out for everyone to be able to understand. Only when we have tried to confuse things and blur the lines and blur the colors has it gotten hard to understand, and, and it's all gray. But there is a right and a wrong. And uh, most of the time, most of the time, you know what it is. So quit redefining right based on generation. Secondly, making room for high places is all about, I mean, making room for altars is all about removing high places. This cannot be accomplished in our strength alone. I want to define high places for you now. They, they were talking about places of worship, and the Israelite people had intermarried. And they had brought in gods from all other religions. They still had Jehovah. He was one of many gods. Can I tell you, if Jehovah's one of many gods, he's not God at all in your life. So high places, though, we probably most of you don't have... Um, Asherah poles in your home that you worship. I hope not. Pro probably most of you don't have, uh, you know, inanimate gods and that you've placed on 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 pedestals and you burn incense to and and you worship. I mean, that's obvious. If you do, tear it down. Go home and throw it out. 
But that's probably not anybody in this room. So, um, but, but we have other things that we worship. Pastor, what, what, what do you mean by that? Anything that takes the place of God becomes God. Every time you say, no, Lord, I can't do what you're asking me to do because I've got to do this, then that thing becomes the God in that situation. Lord, I, I cannot, I, I, we, we make gods out of careers, we make gods out of entertainment, we make gods out of people, we make gods out of all kinds of things. Now listen to me. God knows you need a job. And God knows you have to work. So I'm not saying, well, then I just need to quit work and worship God full time. Um, first of all, you ain't going to do it. I mean, you might quit work. <laughs> Secondly, that, that's not what I'm... But, but, and there are times... Hear me. Now, you don't hear many preachers saying this, but I'm going to tell you there are times that you may have to even work on a Sunday. But that needs to not be the, you know, if, if I, I want to be careful there, but I, I don't want to give anybody excuses, but I don't want you to feel condemned or convicted because sometimes that Jesus said, if your ox is in the ditch on the Sabbath, pull him out. Don't let him sit there and drown. And there are times that you have to, but I'm talking about if your career has constantly taken all of your time of worship and you never have any time to serve, then that career has become a God in your life. 70, 80 hours a week, 60, 70 hours a week, and you've got time for nothing but that, and I can't read the Word of God, I can't study, I can't be in worship, I can't do it. This is, I've I, I got to wake up early, i got to go to work, i got to, listen, Prioritize God first. Do all things in reason. Amen? So, and so the first thing Hezekiah did is he went and he tore down the high places. In fact, when uh, the king of Assyria came against him and, and he told his people, now we're going to just worship the God of Israel in Jerusalem. We're not going to keep this nonsense of praying to the fertility gods and uh, praying to the rain gods and praying to all of these other things. We're, we're, we're just going to worship God because there's only one true God. And so when Assyria came against Hezekiah and the people, he told them, uh, are you going to tell me that your gods will deliver you? Didn't Hezekiah tear down all of your gods? But what they needed to do was be able to stand up and say, look, Hezekiah tore down a bunch of wooden images, but our God was never built by man's hands and cannot be torn down by man's hands. So Hezekiah could not tear down my God. And I want to give you a word this morning. The government cannot tear down your God because the government did not install your God. You have to recognize this morning that God is God all by himself. He never comes up for election. He never looks to the left nor to the right. He speaks, and the Word of God is law and authority. You don't listen. I've heard us whine and cry long enough as a church. It's not the government that has destroyed God in society. It's the church that has allowed the God of society to be taken away and replaced. And it's time that the church stands up and says, I will worship my God. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. Elijah said it this way. You worship who you want to worship. As for me, actually Joshua, as for me and my house. Actually, Hezekiah, I mean, Elijah did say a similar thing to the people of Israel. Choose you this day whom you will worship. But listen, we need to make a decision. 
What are we going to teach? What are we going to believe? What are we going to prioritize? Hezekiah tore down the false gods, the, the Asherah uh, uh, poles, which were sexual gods that were built in uh, trees. Weird stuff. Rocks that people worshipped. And he left the only God he couldn't touch alone. And the people of Israel worshipped that God. And it was that God <laughs> that he took the threats to. It was that God that he said, uh, you are going to have to help me out of this situation. He removed the high places. Guard again. Then, then, then the confusing thing. Back up real quick with me, a few thousand. Well, a couple thousand years, I think. My timelines may be off. To Moses in the wilderness. And Moses, God said, erect a serpent. And everyone that looks at that serpent will be healed. That's a good thing, right? I mean, God told him to do it. He did it. They did it. It worked. A miracle happened. The power of God fell. So when you first read that, you realize that he also says that he tore down the serpent that Moses had erected. But then he defines why. Because the people began to worship the serpent. They were burning incense to the object. It was a good object in its intention and its original form, but now it has what? Taken the place of God. Now, I'm going to tell you that is a direct point to how people take godly traditions and worship them. And sometimes those traditions, now, sometimes traditions can change a little bit over time. I'm going to step on sacred toes, I guess, this morning. Sacred cows, listen, if it's not thus saith the Lord, I'll give you an example. For the most part, we take communion on the first Sunday of every month. That is our tradition. Another pastor comes in and says, we're going to take communion every Sunday. Or we're going to take communion once a quarter. We're not going to rise up and say, no, we can't do that because God says take communion every Sunday. Actually, what God says is often as you do this, and some people take communion every morning, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. But we make, we make gods out of tradition. Now, and traditions by themselves are not bad. Traditions aren't bad. Uh, we have a lot of traditions that are good, that are healthy. I think godly traditions are good for our family. But at the same time, I want us to understand that if it's not, we can't make it a sacred emblem that says we've got we've to do this or else we're not going to heaven. So Hezekiah, when he was destroying all the other false gods, destroyed their tradition. Destroyed their tra Listen, there may be some traditions in your, there were some traditions in my life I had to get rid of. I had to learn how to define tradition from biblical teaching and doctrine. And there is a difference. Uh, the, uh, you know, there are things that, that, that I, I, I was raised to appreciate and acknowledge, but I, as I got older, I began to have to realize some of those things are traditions and they're not biblical doctrine, and so I cannot protect and guard them like I can doctrine. But doctrine, I will fight for. And doctrine, I will stand for because that is the, the, the true God. Amen? So he broke in pieces the bronze serpents that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it. 
Then I, I'm going to end with 2 Corinthians 10. And I, I want to challenge us to look inward. As we're tearing down high places, as we're tearing down things in our life that get in the way that, that interfere with worship of God. The Bible says, first of all, for the weapons of our warfare are not, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I knew we'd get it all out. In other words, you cannot decide in and of your own strength to tear down high places. In other words, serving God is more than just getting a case of the do-betters. And I want to do better because you don't have the strength. If you could have done better, you'd have probably done better a long time ago. Okay, I've decided it's wrong to have a bad temper. I'm going to do better about that. Have you ever thought of that before? <laughs> you know, I, 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 okay, it, it, it's wrong to take part in and these activities that I'm doing, it, it's wrong for me to, uh, to, to, to give over to the sins of the flesh, so I'm just going to quit doing that. Have you ever considered that before? Chances are you have, and chances are you failed. Why? Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It takes God. Now, in the Old Testament, the idols were easily identified. I, I said at the beginning of the service, I doubt any of you have idols in your home that you go home and worship. If you do, that's, that's, the, that's easy. I can go home and throw that thing out for you. But the New Testament, it's more of an inward look, and so we look at where are these weapons at. Paul says... Casting down high things, high thoughts that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Beginning to take authority over uh, things of the heart, imaginations, and, and things that, that these are inward things that become high places in our life. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. Lord, I can't do it on my own. I need you to do it. God, I'm going to surrender to you, but I need you to do it. Because the weapons of my warfare are not carnal. They're not of the flesh. Carnal is just a fancy word to say of the flesh. In other words, I can't stop doing these things that I don't want to do. Paul, the man of God. The apostle said, the things that I do not want to do, I find myself doing anyway. The things that I hate, I do. And the things that I do not want to do, or the things that I do want to do, I neglect. Can anybody relate? It's all right. You're in good company. Paul wasn't a bad guy. Peter wasn't a bad guy. None of these men were bad guys. But the reality that we have to learn from them, David was a man after God's own heart, but when he left his own imaginations to run wild, he found himself lusting after flesh, and then from lusting after flesh to committing adultery to committing murder. Can I tell you, there's no telling where your imaginations will take you if you don't surrender. I, I, I've heard it said you can't always stop the birds from flying around your head. You can't, you can't always stop these thoughts from coming at you because they come at you like fiery darts. But you can certainly stop them from making a nest in your hair. 
you can decide, I'm not going to dwell on this. And you evoke the power of God and you remind yourself that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I am not going to be that person because I'm going to surrender the flesh. And the longer you resist... And the more times you crucify the flesh in that area, the easier it becomes and the stronger you become because you're exercising spiritual muscle. We have to be people that know that there are boundaries and that know that we cannot do it on our own. We cannot do it on our own. You can't count on somebody else to pray you through. You have to pray yourself. I, 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 I make notes. People ask me to pray, and I'll make notes in my phone, and, and I set reminders, and I, I try to pray when people uh, have uh, doctor's visits or things coming up, and they tell me, and, I, I, and I'll try, but sometimes I'll forget. Pastor, why do you forget? Because it wasn't my doctor visit. <laughs> And I don't mean to be calloused about it. I want to pray for you. I want to stand in the gap for you. But at the end of the day, God has given you the authority and the power to, to believe God for yourself. I cannot fight every demon that you have to fight. You have to learn to stand, and God will stand together. I'll join with you, but I cannot fight your devils for you. I'm doing all I can to fight them off of me. But I'll stand shoulder to shoulder with you. I'll believe God. We've got some people right now that are going through some tough spaces. We've got some people right now that are standing in some tough times. I plan on going out this afternoon and visiting one. Why? Because I'm standing shoulder to shoulder. I'll be there with you. Why? Because when I'm going through my tough times, I need some brothers and sisters that will come stand beside me. But at the end of the day, when, when, when the lights are turned off and everybody else is going home and everybody else is at dinner and everybody else is having a good time, it's me that has to stand there and fight against that thing that the enemy is throwing at me. And God has given me the, the power and the authority because the weapons of my warfare, they're not of this flesh, but they are mighty through God. They're found on my knees. They're found at the altar. They're found reading the Word of God. Mighty through God. And the strongholds are often internal. High thoughts. Strongholds are not the bar down the street. It's the spirit inside of you that makes you want to go to the bar down the street. There's the stronghold. We can burn down that bar, but if we don't do anything of that spirit, they'll build another one back. We can protest the bar and they'll put it on the news and get more attention than anybody else has ever had and they'll be filled to the capacity. Why? Because we're, fi we're fighting in the flesh. Or we can get on our knees and we begin to pray for the people that are in bondage to alcohol. Listen to me, church. It's time that we make room for the altars of God. We have to clear out some clutter. I'll probably deal with Ezra some next week. Just give you a preview. Ezra went into the rubbish, the rubble of the temple that Babylonians had tore down when they took over Jerusalem. And he knelt, and piece by piece and block by block, he began to separate the temple of God. And the Bible says he got to a place, and he found the basis of the altar. And he pulled it out of the rubbish, before they restored the temple, he restored the altar. And I just want to challenge us. 
we want the church to be restored, it's not about building new buildings. It's about restoring the altar. Altars. I, I, you don't have to wait. I said next week we're going we're gonna to bring our, our needs, our petitions, and we're going to lay them on the altar, and we're going we're gonna to give them to the Lord. But some of you here right now may say, Pastor, I don't want to wait till next week. I've got some things I want to give to God this morning. So I'm going to ask everybody in the room to stand to your feet, if you'll stand to your feet. What are some high places in your life that need to go? Now listen to me. I want you to be sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit if the Holy Spirit checks your heart and says you cannot participate in that event. And there may not be anything wrong with that event except it may not fit with your life and your worship. Somebody else may be able to participate in that event because it may or may not interfere with them. You don't have to answer for them. But I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to examine your life. What Are there some high places that he says, you got to let this go? you got to let this go. You can't, you can't participate in that event, or you can't participate as often. You've got to bring your priorities back in line. You've got to prioritize God first. Are there some, some thoughts that you just allow to run rampant in your life that the Holy Spirit says, you know that's not pleasing to the Lord? Are there some, is there unforgiveness that you need to deal with this morning that's become a high place in your life and you, you can't get relationship right with God because you can't let this thing go? I'm going to challenge you this morning. Are there some high places that you need to sacrifice this morning to make room for the altar of God in your life. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I, I want to be like Hezekiah. I want to destroy the high places in my life. I'm going to ask you to step out from where you are and come around the front of this church this morning. There, there's some things in your life that you say, Pastor, I'm going to let this go. I need help, though, because the weapons of my warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God. I can't do it on my own. I need help. Would you step out from where you are and just come to the front of this altar, this, or the front of this church this morning? not coming forward and saying that I'm in bondage to a sin or you're just saying I need to prioritize God this morning in my life <laughs> oh God I was praying and weeping over my family this morning You need to be able to stand in the gap. Hallelujah. I, I, I don't feel released yet. I feel like the Lord's want me to wait. If the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, church, you need to be obedient. You know I don't drag altar calls out. I never look for numbers. But I think the Holy Spirit's dealing with a heart this morning, and you need to respond. If that's you, God's, God wants to meet you. God wants to meet you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God.
and his righteousness. Seek me, saith the Lord. I am your God. I pleasure in your pleasure. I celebrate in your joy. Look to me. I am not your enemy. I am your God. I am a friend. I am a brother. I am a father. Look unto me. I will be all things that you have need of. Release those things that hold you from me. Run to me. Cling to me. If you will be my people, I will be your God like no other, saith the Lord. Father, right now, listen, if you're responded this morning, I, I want you to just reach your hand up. Lord, in the name of Jesus, right now, God, I release every high thought, every, every attitude, every grudge, I give it unto you, Lord. That sin that's so deeply buried, <laughs> Lord, I give it unto you, Lord. God, that, that habit that, that binds me, that I don't want anybody to know about, that bondage in my life, Lord, I cannot defeat it in the flesh. But greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. So, God, I give it to you, Lord. The battle's not mine, <laughs> but it's thine. Oh, Lord. God, we lay it before you this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, I cut down high places in the name of Jesus. I chop down high places in the name of Jesus with you. I stand in agreement. Lord, I, I want you to see yourself right now as with, 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 a, with an axe chopping down that thing in your life and casting it off. Lord, I cut it off. I cut it off. I cut it off in the name of Jesus. Every chain, every fetter, every bondage, I cast them aside this morning. So I am free to worship you, Lord. <laughs> Lord, I, now, I will do what is right. God, as you enable me, Lord, I will do what is right. I will prioritize you. Lord, I, I know me, so I'll probably mess up sometime. But Holy Spirit, I'm asking, Lord, that you will help me and that you will be my strength. <laughs> oh, Father, in the name of Jesus right now. God, help me to prioritize the things of God. Put first the things of God in your righteousness. In Jesus' name.